Welcome to The Real Deal. Dimitri, I'm so glad you wanted to talk to me about such an important topic. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming. And I'm so glad that we could make this work. Um, a while ago, you had sent me a text message. You'd sent a text message to Jesse and me. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was audio from a poem, I think, on... Was it on NPR? Mm-hmm. It made NPR, yeah. And... Um, I listened to it and I didn't really, I didn't know what you had sent me and it took me a while to find the time to listen to it. And it was this poem by, um, by one of Angie's teachers, right? Yeah. I think she, they were coworkers together and, um, I'd met the gentleman. I don't know him personally, but I'd met him and, uh, it was just really interesting how it kind of came back to light. That was during the, uh, the Austin bombings. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of racial tension that we kind of hadn't seen here in a while or we had at least had not talked about here in a while and so um just some of his vocalized frustrations kind of were powerful you know yeah hadn't noticed because i am not right because i don't deal with that on a daily basis or very rarely didn't know or realize that we had that issue which is kind of the whole point of the poem the first line is um Austin is an exhausting place where racism smiles at you. Um, and by the way, um, the guy's name is Jesus Valles. Um, and I just, I, I, I was dumbfounded because I hadn't noticed it. And then I thought, no, no, that's so, I hadn't noticed it in a daily basis, mm-hmm. but I've definitely gone through um, where someone says a racist joke and they're like, oh, oh, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Wait, what? Like, you can't... Can you do that? Like, I don't think that's real, but okay. (laughs) Um, So, and so I... um, The other thing that I wanted... You and I were going to talk about um, military stuff. And I wanted to switch to race because obviously it's a huge topic and it's super relevant and like, it's just a big issue, but I feel like it has been coming up more. Obviously... You see it in the media, but my dad has actually been having a lot of issues lately. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working and he's got his employees on someone's property and someone comes yelling out of the door, get the F out of my driveway, you Mexicans, blah, blah, blah. Just going at it mm-hmm. when he was hired to be at that house. Also... Well, it doesn't matter. Clearly, you're racist. All of our employees are legal. They're here on visas. You know, whatever, whatever. But so so things just keep coming up. And um, I just read an article in the Glamour magazine. I was going to send it to you. I'll still send it to you. Okay, good. And it's about um, interracial, an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. And it's a white man and it's black woman. And she's talking about um, all talking about their relationship and all the things that she goes through on a daily basis as a black woman, but all the things that he has never had to deal with and never noticed because he's never dealt with it. And after reading that article, that's when I realized that I don't know what it's like. And I also contribute on some level because I don't speak up. And I didn't realize that that's a thing mm-hmm. that I should be doing because it's more of like, a, oh, I'm just going to 
I'm going to stay out of this. Uncomfortable. Let, yeah. me, let me avoid this at all costs. I don't feel that way, so I don't need to contribute to this conversation. Right. I, I, I get it. Um, so first of all, that don't beat yourself up about that. I think that's <laughs> a fair and normal reaction for people kind of experiencing that the first time, regardless of what a, whatever that uncomfortable thing is, right? So whether yeah. that's workplace harassment, we've all kind of encountered yeah. that and maybe seen it happening to someone and was like, oh, that's not my business. I'm staying out of that. Yeah. Being the bystander is almost as uncomfortable sometimes. It's like being in the midst of that. So I, right. I, as long as you're recognizing it, right, and you're, yeah. you're kind of willing to learn from those experiences, then you can't be too hard on yourself. But I think, yeah, I think we've all um, had our own experiences and have had the things that we've all encountered that shapes our lives. And fortunately, uh, for some people, um, they don't have to deal with those sorts of things. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm not mad at those folks. If, if that was yeah. my situation, I would, I would uh, relish that. I think um, I read something recently and I don't remember who said it. I'm not sure Ta-Nehisi Coates or or Cornell West, Cornell West made mention to um, the use of the term white privilege, uh-huh. which often gets thrown around. But I think there's there's some disparity in in how that's perceived. You can be white and have not a lot of things. You can be white and have hardships. Yeah. The idea of white privilege, the 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 moniker of white privilege, means that your race is not contributing to your hardship. And so just that idea yes, that like, you don't necessarily have to be privileged because you are white, but the reason you are struggling is not because of how you look. Right. And ultimately, I think that's what we're here to talk about today is kind of those yeah. those uncomfortable situations and what we can all do to kind of combat that and yeah. speak about it honestly. Definitely. Um, my, one of my first questions, and I'm going to probably... I'm going to ask questions because I'm not black. Fair. And so I hadn't noticed. It's <laughs> that's that's funny that you say that because there was there was one memory that I had thought of. Um, you and you and me and Layla, we were at work, uh, one of our friends, and um, we were talking about bringing baby photos to a happy hour. <laughs> I remember that. And. <laughs> and Layla and I are like, this is a great idea. We turn to look at you and you seem pumped about it. But you're like, but I can't play that game. And we looked at you dumbfoundedly like, what? Yeah. Because the point of the game was guess. guess who, who was who as a baby? Right. And we looked at you and you're like, no, like, what do you mean? You can totally play. And then you just kept looking at us and we we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> we're definitely going to know which we're child gonna, is Dimitri. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I felt kind of proud of that moment because at that point I was like, they're true. Like, I don't see you for your skin color. That's fair. But that doesn't mean I always like there's sometimes where it's like I notice. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. No. So um, I was curious if you ever remember um, what when you first learned or recognized race. So that's a good one. So first of all, um, to the listeners out there who don't know me, I don't quote unquote sound like a black guy. I'm from Southern California. I was raised by two college educated parents and college educated grandparents. So that's fairly atypical, first of all, within our community. It's just not typically like that. But I think my parents, as a young person, did a great job of 
expounding to me how important it was to be mindful of the dangerous things that are out there in your universe. And for Mm -hmm. me as a young African-American boy growing up in South Central L.A. in the 80s, it was pretty important for me to be aware that racial disparity was something that the LAPD was highly sensitive to and our community needed to be aware of that. And then also both my parents um, were active duty military and traveled all over. And so we oftentimes ended up in situations where there aren't very many people anyway, like desolate communities. Right. For example, I lived in Anchorage, Alaska for two years. There weren't oh, very wow. many non-native Alaskans there anyway. Yeah, I was one of maybe three black people in three surrounding cities. Right. So I think to answer your question, I became aware of it as soon as my parents were willing to sit me down and have that talk, which was honestly probably around seven or eight. Yeah. Um, and then I noticed it in my surroundings, probably not too far beyond that, um, mm-hmm. nine or 10. Now, okay. I think what you might be asking is when's the first time I became aware of racism? That's the next question. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first time I remember being discriminated against, this is actually a really interesting story because it's come full circle in my life. So two examples from third grade. Mm-hmm. One Um, I had a teacher, I'll leave her name out of it, it doesn't matter, but I was in the third grade and I had a teacher that I can remember as a child treating children of color differently to the point where I was a kid about to turn nine, but like recognized it and called it out and subsequently like got in trouble for it until other parents had like noticed it. And then brought it to the the attention of the school. And ultimately, she was let go for mistreating and and treating children of color in her classrooms differently than other kids. Wow. So that was, what, third, fourth grade, something, nine? Yeah. Around there, third or fourth? I have no idea, yeah. So I remember that. (laughs) But then I I also, and just to kind of backtrack further, I remember being disinvited from a pool party in the fourth grade. For for being black. Like I got invited to the party because I was friends with the girl. Yeah. And the invitations went out. And then like a day before the party, like oh. this poor girl in tears had to tell me that I wasn't allowed she into had their to tell pool you. because her parents told her that I was not allowed at their house. So that was like a gut point. Like that, like oh. out of all the crazy stuff that's like happened in my life, like I still remember that. The like, pool party. Yeah, it's like the pool party I did not get invited to because they didn't want a black kid in their pool, which is crazy, right? Like yeah. how do you hate so much? I but have too many emotions right now. <laughs> oh man, I have so many emotions because also like that just sucks as a kid. Yeah, like, it's like. You also want, I, that's not the important part, but it's like a double whammy, like oh, shit, I can't go because I'm black. But also, like, you're my friend. Like, I wanted to hang Yeah, out like, with I was you. genuinely friends with these people. And to, in, in fairness, I don't think that's how this person felt at all. But, doesn't, you know, It doesn't like, sound like it. It's pretty crazy. And then I just feel, honestly, like, it sucked at the time. But I feel bad for my parents, like, having to, like, address that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because they had choices, too. You know, they could let it go or they could talk to that kid's parents. And ultimately, yeah. they still had to console, like, me, like, this whiny little kid that's just upset that they can't go hang out at the pool with their friends so yeah i don't know it, I, I feel bad for them um for having to deal with that sort of stuff because i think to a certain degree their generation did a lot of hard work to ensure yeah. that those sorts of things happened less frequently yeah and i think at that moment it was just like a solid reminder that right. like you can't do anything about generational ignorance if people choose to continue to kind of perpetuate those sorts of thoughts and ideas so right i I got a feeling that was pretty tough on them as well Ugh, there's a few things that stand out to me and it could be different parenting styles 
I don't think that's the full answer. So your parents sat you down and had to talk to you about race. Mm -hmm. My parents never sat me down and talked to me about race because I don't think, well, I'm half white. I am half Mexican. Mm -hmm. I look, I, I get the comment a lot that I do not look Mexican at all. Oh, you're, you're so white. All right. White privilege. I use that to my advantage. I totally do. You know, take your judgment, whatever. It, Life I do. That's what it is. I do it. Path of least resistance. That's what most Th- humans that's exa- do. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and um, so I never had to worry about things growing. I never had to worry about racism growing up towards me because I looked white. And I remember um, I've had one of my first childhood friends, his name was Octon, and he was African American. But, like, that wasn't a thought growing up. Mm -hmm. Like, he was just my friend. And so, um, skin color, I didn't notice skin color until maybe middle school I kind of picked up on it. Mm-hmm. And then I had a crush on this guy named Jordan. He was African-American. And people would be like, oh, you've got jungle fever or something like that. I was like, wait, okay. Uh, again, hadn't really noticed, didn't notice skin color until that was until that was said to me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> Whatever that I'm is. I'm also in middle school. <laughs> just oh, have a middle school. Crush. Can we just take a moment to say how awkward <laughs> middle school was for just about everybody? So My teeth were so messed up. <laughs> um, high school. Okay. That is definitely when it came into play. And um, because I noticed, I feel like um, I because I was younger in middle school and obviously before that, it wasn't a thought and it wasn't talked about and you just hung out with your friends. It wasn't a big deal. There's there's no thought process to it. When I got to high school, I definitely noticed, I think we maybe had two African-American people mm-hmm. in the entire school. And it's not a big school, but right. still. Um, but there were a lot of um, Mexicans and Hispanics because it was a Catholic school. Um, and then obviously it's in Westlake. So there are a lot of white white people, mm-hmm. um, and there were a lot of jokes. He, that that's where it was the say say the racial joke, but then and laugh at it, but then the person who ever said the joke, but oh, like I'm not racist. And um, I remember when you so the white privilege thing. I always played off to that. Because I never wanted the joke directed at me. And because there were a lot of jokes directed at Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't even remember what they were. But there were a lot. And I remember sitting at the lunch table being like, oh, I felt uncomfortable. Kind of chuckled. Kept quiet. Don't bring attention to me. Because I don't want this. To become a much bigger thing that you don't even want to deal with, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of just like my take um, I want to talk about, and this is where my question is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, when I was in Africa, I stayed with people that were white, but they were African. Mm-hmm. And I remember referring to the black people as African-American. Mm-hmm. And 
the white people that we were staying with got upset with us because we referred to them to the uh, to the black people as African American in Africa in Africa right totally makes sense you're right <laughs> they're not American they're African but then they were also pointing out the fact like they were also pointing out the fact and mind you they they're probably stuck in the era that we were stuck in and probably like the 1950s there's some racial there's some definite racial tension there well, yeah it exists sure. everywhere but i mean this is it's, apartheid was real like it happened there was yeah socioeconomic and you know and other hardships placed on people based on the darkness of their skin yeah and so on and so forth so yeah that existed for sure but so they called you out so they on called me out on calling getting the nationality wrong but they weren't calling they they weren't Yes, but they weren't focused on that. They were upset that I was calling them African-American and not calling them black. And so I was like, oh, but it was such a valid point at the time. I was like, yeah, you're right. They're not Mm African-American. I do. But I didn't think I didn't think it through. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I call. So when I refer to my friend, I say that they're black, but that doesn't feel comfortable either. So and this is this is one of those things that it's actually no no harm done like black is fine african-american is fine like those terms are okay like both of those check out like you're not doing anything wrong to refer to yeah like you can black white it doesn't matter colored is not a good term colored is highly racist uh, and and very emotionally charged um yeah there we can we can later go through the list of things (laughs) not to refer to black people as but yeah colored is not all right yeah not even in the slightest don't do that yeah not even in the slightest um yeah okay great that actually kind of just answers my question oh but i also wanted to bring up a point and i realized that i had been doing this with um my friends who are gay lesbian mm-hmm. and when i would refer, refer to my friends that are gay i say my gay friends mm-hmm. and i started realizing that i was doing that and it i was like wait no they're just why are you pointing out that specific fact yeah, they're just your friends. they're just your friends and so and i don't i'm definitely not the only person who does that mm-hmm. so i would just encourage everyone to think about that a little bit more and not refer to your friend who happens to be black as your black friend, just as your friend, whatever, whatever it is, characteristic that you're thinking of, find a different one. Um, so anyways, that's just one thing. I think the rule of thumb there for me is um, you can, I mean, if that's what makes your friendship stand out to, to you, like obviously you can have that in your head, but try to stay away from uh, generalizing people to a trait. Yeah. Um, unless it's like immensely positive. Like my friend Nathan, yeah. he's my helpful friend. You yeah, know, yeah, like, do that. Uh, you know, um, uh, our our friend Katie, she's our smart friend. Like, right. it's okay if it's like immensely positive. Double down on it. I'm sure that will help that person's sure. confidence. But if it's just like, oh, that's my short friend, or that's, that's my chubby friend, or yeah, that's my yeah, yeah, boiling people down to a no. trait is usually not the right way to go. No, not so. at all. Um, <laughs> another thing that I and I've got more questions, but there there was this that I wanted to talk about, and then the fact that race isn't a thing race to was a human made thing ethnicity is a thing Mm -hmm. you've talked about um your you did your dna testing and you're from west west africa like almost almost all of my ancestry is like right there right i'm mainly from spain and 
I don't know. I haven't done the dad side or, or the mom side, but um, race isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Skin color isn't a thing. Like, and so I get so upset when I think about like when I'm, you're taking the SAT or in high school, you're taking the SAT. Oh, what's your ethnicity? What's your race? Or like, there's things that you sign up online for. Oh, absolutely. What's your, like, what? No, I, I always click the Latin button because the Latin button just sounds nicer. <laughs> the Latin- <laughs> I usually go with other or chose not to answer. I did one of those earlier today at a physical, See? which, yeah. and at least medically speaking, I understand the need for the designation because there are different things genetically right. that we are predisposed to that may offer the doctor an opportunity to give you better care. Right. So that again, but on the SAT, like it's a what? standardized test. We're all Sticks. testing the same exactly. level of intelligence quotient. There's no need, but I, I feel you. Yeah. I, I, I try to not answer that when, whenever applicable. But it, well, maybe that's, that's a great idea. Maybe I should stop doing that. Cause I always feel comfortable when I say that I'm Latin cause I'm also white and I don't want to be bubbled down into one little thing also, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, that's race is a human construct to kind of perpetuate the class system that we've always utilized to, to put people yeah. in boxes. Right. Um, without the have the have nots, there are no haves. Right. So yeah. kind of creating a situation where you can further segment into categories allows for one thing that humans are predisposed to do, and that's grouping, which we all yeah. benefit from that. Mm-hmm. But then secondarily, um, when you start specifically calling out differences, it really maximizes the small things that separates us and right. kind of pulls back the lens on the the other 99.5% of you know our chromosomes and our atoms that make us virtually the exact same yeah. creature no matter where you're at on this earth. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, those are my two things that I wanted to harp on. I'm glad we got that done. Thanks for taking the pause for me to, like, get onto that. But um, as an adult now, mm-hmm. and I'll later talk about your wife. Um, who's white, by the way. Who's white, by the way. Um, but, we'll, I mean, we'll get to that. What – so so one of my questions after reading that article is mm. – I need to start speaking up, right? So I think anytime you can do the most good in a situation, you should, right? Yeah. Um, But I think just like all of our experiences, you have to weigh what's the most, what's the most effective use of you maximizing your good in a situation, right? Like creating the most positive utility you can. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. we could all flip over a desk and say, that's not right and call someone out. But ultimately, you have to read the situation and determine kind of how best are your skills going to be utilized. Like you're a really empathetic person and you have the ability to kind of calm situations down. And I think I've seen you kind of console coworkers and things of that nature in the past. And sometimes um, the best thing to do isn't necessarily to confront the person that's doing that thing wrong in the moment. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just checking on the person that like was just mistreated to see if they're doing OK. Now, yeah, both can be applicable, yeah. but it really just depends yeah. on that certain situation and kind of what that person is experiencing at the time. Yeah. Um, but if you see someone being abused, I right. think anybody intervening is the most appropriate thing to do in that moment. But, you know, some of those unco- those uncomfortable side-eye jokes that get told at the water cooler you know removing yourself from that situation just saying is that appropriate guys like those sorts of things just to kind of get people to think about what they should or shouldn't be doing in certain settings is always helpful but yeah i think to answer your question yes yes do something about it but you get to choose 
how to, how to go about doing something. And there right. are there are no wrong answers if you're truly out to help. I like the option of either being confronting the person and or consoling the other the other person who was kind of hit by that. Yeah, there's 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 always some <laughs> good to be done that. in situations like that. What what are some things that you go through that I don't go through? Okay, so I've got a couple of these and it's it's surreal to tell these stories because I think that for a lot of people that see my life on the outside and I have to do this sometimes. There's this weird duality in my mm-hmm. life. Like again, we were talking about it like college educated from a good family air quotes good family um (laughs) you know there's there aren't too many things right now um we're you know we live in austin texas upper middle class like setting like everything is good yeah um on the surface but there are still those very real and visceral responses to things that happen so i'll give you an example before i came over to the company that we work for or worked for as of yeah. last week. <laughs> Shout out to all my ex-treehousers. Um, I worked for a company up north, um, a building and construction company. And my commute to and from work was about 20 miles every day in the car, jump in the car, uh, 6.45 in the morning. Yeah. Go get to my job. Same thing in the afternoon. So the commute there was probably about 35, 40 minutes in the morning because you can beat the traffic. But on the way back, it was terrible. Yeah. And I only tell you all of that to say it was early when I was getting in the car to go to this job. Yeah. And one day, not too long ago, I got in the car. My old business uh, dress was full suit, tie, uh, sport coat, like ready to go. And my hair's long now, but at the time, perfectly short. cropped, short, Fancy. just professional. Yeah. Um, I'm in my car, sun's not even up yet, and I get to a light, um, and I have a guy yelling at me through his windshield, pointing, spitting the whole nine. And I have absolutely no idea. I'm like, did I cut this guy off? Like, yeah. did I, is my signal on? Did I leave my coffee on top of the car? What, like, what why could I, why is this guy reacting to yeah. me like that? So I'm, I, for, I, was, I thought for a second, like, maybe he's not talking to me. But it's 6.45 in the morning. There are four <laughs> cars no on the road. Yeah. And I'm the only one that's parallel to his. Yeah. So I'm kind of taken aback. I, you know, is there something wrong with this joint? Like, maybe yeah. I should leave it alone. And then yeah. he, so I keep seeing him reacting. So stupidly, I, I roll the window down and he rolls his down. Oh, and no. he's just, I don't know how expletives. You, you uh, go for it. You fucking nigger, blah, blah, blah. It's 6.45 in the morning. We haven't exchanged words. I've never seen this gentleman before in my life. We've never had any sort of interaction. The fact that he saw a black person. That's crazy. At 6.45 in the morning, took this guy off the deep end. I'm talking about veiny, spit gathering in the corner of his mouth, like visceral, angry, just junkyard dog upset. <laughs> That's crazy. So that's, that's probably absurd. something you've never nope. experienced. And there was no, like I said, no traffic incident, nothing perpetual that led this person to that. Just that much hatred and resentment and contempt in his heart for people that were a few shades darker than him is what got him going at 645 in the morning in the great city of Austin, Texas. Everyone pick up your jaws right now. That's <laughs> absurd. It's uh. I just, I just think that's one of the great misnomers about this place. I love this place. I've been here for 13 years, but the idea that it's somehow post-racial and this like utopian society. We're of, liberal in a conservative state. We're fine. Yeah, we're doing the best that can yeah. be done is, is, is a little, it's just, it's an oversimplification. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's something that we've experienced. Now this next one, not 
as great, but another vehicle incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time I, I, I was at fault. I cut this gentleman off like he was not paying attention in traffic. I was with my wife. So I'm driving my car. My wife was in yeah. the passenger seat. And um, I didn't, excuse me, I didn't cut him off. I honked at him. Uh-huh. So he wasn't paying attention. The light had gone. It wasn't like a one, two, or three. Like yeah. the light had gone. It was about to turn yellow. And we were about to miss oh, this light. Wow. So I honked at him. Yeah. And I went around him. But the light turned red. So I did. Uh, I, I got around him, yeah. but I didn't make the light. Yeah. And the guy pulls up behind my car, close enough to almost hit it. Yeah. And jumps out of his vehicle with a weapon. And he okay. And and at that moment, I was shocked. But I, the only thing that I knew how to do instinctually was make myself large enough yeah. to cover my wife in the and came on the, on the passenger side, like brandishing his weapon, and didn't load it or anything. Didn't like cock it. It was a shotgun. Okay. And just tapped my windshield with it. To let me what? know that he could, if he needed to, right, shoot me in broad daylight in the middle of Austin traffic. That's un- I don't have any words because it's so stupid. So those were two, and like I said, I'm not. I can't even say that I'm sure that that was racially motivated. So much as that's probably something that most people don't encounter, and then no. we just have to ask ourselves the question: Why would someone feel so comfortable yeah. doing that? Yeah. So that's absurd. I'm yeah. Mm, that's crazy. I don't yeah. I don't have anything. Like that's just that's just um I've never gone through that. I don't think a lot of people have gone through that. I feel like um actually I wrote it down from the from the poem. I feel like a lot of people would respond to that and say, Oh, you're fine what you know they're gonna downplay it and part Mm -hmm. of the poem that um that we read earlier there's another line that says stop crying wolf and it asks you to stop making yourself uncomfortable you're looking for reasons to be angry and loves playing kendrick lamar in the car and Mm -hmm. it goes on and on and on and basically saying like dimitri you're just downplaying your situation like oh you're just looking for attention you're or that's like, an isolated incident. Or yes. I get the one bad apple argument quite a bit. Oh, It's like, right. oh, well, oh, that yeah. sounds terrible, but that's this one isolated thing that happened. And ultimately, what they're telling me is get over it. Yeah, yeah, which, absolutely. Which, to a certain degree, is becomes your superpower because you have to get over it. Like, you really yeah. can't carry around all of these lifetimes worth of happenings. Because if you did, you just wouldn't be whole, right? You, you have to get over it. Yeah. But... You, you don't necessarily have to forget. In fact, you have to get smarter because if you don't, it really becomes super difficult to circumnavigate. And I'll give you another example. So recently, mm-hmm. we had racially motivated bombings here in Austin, Texas that were surprisingly close to where you yes. and I both live. Two yeah. of them were within three miles of where I currently live. So you can imagine yeah. how us as a family were reacting yeah. to the very simple thing that I think we can all say we've experienced receiving like an Amazon or a FedEx package on your yeah. front door became like sheerly terrifying yeah. to the point that, you know, we've got video cameras and stuff up at our house now, not because we're in fear of like how our neighborhood is or anything, but because in that moment in time, yeah, the idea was you could lose your life simply by being black, living in Austin, having a package set on your front door. Um, and I remember that whole experience, that entire two weeks, yeah. where little information would come out. And once the the bombings became, it became clear 
that the bombings were targeted in certain communities and were affecting yeah, only East Austin, East Austin yep. like one of the small places where there are high concentrations of African and American and brown folks alike, um, Hispanic population as well. Um, and then like the first person dies, yeah. older black gentleman, I believe, or older Hispanic gentleman, I believe. And then the second person dies, promising young black man. And then the third person dies and it was uh, an African-American woman. And then it was like, okay, these are targeted responses. Yeah. And I remember the same company that we worked for yeah. getting text messages from employees telling me that they were too scared to come to work oh, wow. as, as the manager, right, they were too right. scared to come to work, which is valid. Yeah. But our staff was 98% white people. And yeah. in my head, it was a really difficult thing to kind of separate their rational fear of like yeah. being on the road while something terrible was happening yeah. to like, this is strange that I am the the one you black person that we work with that I have to ensure the safety of white people who are clearly not in the crosshairs of this attack while right. also being just as fearful for yeah. if not more so fearful for my own health and well-being, my life even. And so I remember that experience as like a very yeah. confounding but powerful like reminder that there are people experiencing struggles of a similar ilk while also being completely out of range when it comes to like how impactful is this on your life versus mine. Like, yeah. yes, there is fear that potentially you could be on the road next to a crazy person who might have a bomb in their car in that two week stretch. But the likelihood that he's coming to your house to harm yeah, your right, family right. based on how you look is was completely different and i just Your remember like less compared to mine significantly yeah. less in fact right. i don't think i i don't want to say it doesn't even matter loss of life is terrible regardless but i'm, I'm not sure if anyone that wasn't hispanic or african-american died in that whole exchange either way yeah i just remember like this is something you have to do you're a yeah. leader of people and also being like utterly t terrified and like having to keep it together yeah. like for other folks and i just remember being like this is weird yeah. Like, this is a strange situation to be in. Yeah. I don't recall what the fake race, whatever, what skin color the people were that had the bombs in Southwest Parkway. Because I think those, those were the same. But you're right. Well, I think you're right. I don't know. I'd have to go. We'd have to go look at it. Yeah, we'd it, have to go look at that. But yeah, like, even, like, just the distaste and, like, copycat pretend bombings and, like, like. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. I hadn't noticed that um, the way you explained it was, yeah, you said it so well. I can't repeat it. But basically, there's two white persons fearful. You're feel fearful because you're because you're in the city as well, mm -hmm. but you're more targeted because you are black. Whereas as a white person. I'm I'm scared. Well, and, and living in the, living in the neighborhood where bombings were happening, like not too far away from where bombings right. were actually happening. Right. Like, two miles is close. Yeah. Two you know miles what I mean? Is two close. miles is entirely too close when yeah. you talk about like, could my house blow up today? Yeah. Like when, you wouldn't yeah. buy a house that was two miles outside of a flood zone in yeah, like right. a hundred year flood zone because right. the idea that your house could potentially somehow end up in water is too dangerous a prospect. Right. So two miles away from potentially being randomly bombed is yeah. too damn close. Yeah. I remember when there was the bomb or they thought it was a bomb from the bomber at Goodwill. Right. Which is down the road yeah. right here. Yeah. And I was like, I, I called my mom. I was like, shit, I... I'm going to move out to Spicewood or because like the bomber's not coming out to Spicewood because right. that's in the middle of nowhere. But um, anyways, and it that's that's crazy because I never uh, I didn't even I honestly didn't think about it. 
I really didn't. I might have even been one of the ones to be like, are we coming into work today? Or I don't think I said that, but it was definitely a question on right. my mind. And it was for a lot of people. And like yeah. I said, justifiably so. It's not that they weren't allowed to be fearful. I just think as far as how it was impacting their thought process versus how it was impacting the, yeah. thought, the conversations yeah. that were happening in our house nightly were very different. I mean, right. we, we yeah. had... We had like a plan of action. Like we canceled right. all inbound orders. Like if, yeah. if packages showed up, we were like, hey, like watch the video cameras, be vigilant. Like if yeah. something shows up and it doesn't look like someone you know, like call 411, like call 911, like be prepared for yeah. this. Like had conversations with our neighbors, like who we were friends with on either side. But like we had like a plan of action as opposed that's to like, crazy. oh, that's, that's, we don't like that. That's uncomfortable. So very different, I think, situation. And sure. also like the difference between, I took it as random. I, I questioned the racism thing uh, while it was happening. Like, oh my gosh, like, is is it? Is it racially mm-hmm. charged? Um, I blew it off because I don't have to worry about it as much. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people also did the same thing, not realizing that they were doing that. I'm not worried about it as much because I don't have to worry about it as much. And that's not the thought process. But hearing hearing where you're coming from is on another level and i never realized that you had to go through that don't don't be upset i mean and and thank you i i really appreciate how you feel but we all do it in certain aspects of life right like um my wife and i have intense conversations about the lack of safety that she feels being a woman at night i've never had to feel that way i've never felt threatened or somehow out of or powerless in a powerless, situation sure. that it was just dark and there happened to be strange dudes around. Yeah. That's fine. I'm going to go talk to those dudes. I'm right. pretty sure this is going to be a fun time for me. I've never had to jingle my bag and make sure that there was keys and or mace that I could put in between my knuckles to turn it's them into what I do potential weapons time. because yep. I am fearful of the things that can happen to me in those situations. So yeah. to a certain degree, we all deal with that. Yeah. And I think that the issue with race that's a little bit different from that is like we can have that conversation and fundamentally you can get most people to a place where they can at least understand like the level of vulnerability yeah. that you feel in those moments and i think the thing about race is because it's so far removed from people's day-to-day yep that it's hard to create a bridge from where you are to where they are to create that level of understanding that like these things are real they do happen i'm not victimized i'm just saying like be mindful of them and if you're in a situation where you can help mitigate some of this like maybe you do it like i think it's just a much more difficult bridge to build um and so i don't and that could be like i could be being insensitive right now to a group of women is like no i've tried that conversation and it doesn't work but um at least in in the conversation that we had in in our house and with our group of friends it feels like a not a more relatable topic but something that people can wrap their minds around more easily than the idea that entire groups of people are struggling based on things that they simply are not aware of yeah blah i don't like this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I I appreciate you for doing it. Honestly, I really do. Um, No, I want to do. I don't. (laughs) I do not like the feelings that I am feeling solely because you've had to feel them. And uh, I just the next time like and then the one offs. Oh, it was one bad that that's really sticking out to me. Oh, it's one bad apple like. How dare you tell me 
how dare you tell me how to feel about this situation when you don't know what it's like, you weren't there, and you've already explained, I don't know, four or five different scenarios that you've been in, but they're all bad apples? Like, no, that's not true. And so, like, just some, if, I'm sure I've thought about it, like, and, and maybe not in, like, a racial context, mm-hmm. but in, you know, oh, a, pre, a priest or a, a police officer. Oh, that's just one bad apple that they did, like. Both relevant examples right now in the news. Yeah, but, and, like, sure, there's bad people and, like, that stuff happens. But do, don't put your opinion on my true experience. It's kind of, it's kind of how I feel about it. Um Ah, especially if you've never gone through it. You shouldn't do it in general. Like, even if a black person told you that, like, you still should, like, no, like, who, I'm sorry, are you the judgment now? Like, no, you're not. So, like, back off. Anyways, I'm a little upset. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a lot more other questions, but I, no, let's, I let's, just, let's get to them. We got time. Yeah. I was just, I feel like I'm forgetting a lot of them as they're popping up in my head because because it's um, it's hard to it's honestly kind of hard to focus listening to this because um, it's I just keep dr- like thinking that my jaw's dropping a little bit. It's not. You're it, you're here oh, with me. Good. You're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> uh, just the scenarios that you've gone through. I remember I was at Texas State um, and there was a vote to allow carry on carry guns on campus. That really scared me. I don't like that. Um, there was basically a seminar where you students, anyone, anyone could come mm-hmm. and talk about the topic at Texas at Texas State. I forget what they do that often. And someone got up and said, and I think when was Trayvon Martin? Two thousand oh, a few years ago. At this point. Uh, yeah. Ish. I want to say ish. Around there. No, 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 no. It was it after that. It wasn't that late. It was after that. Because um, I graduated in 2015. Anyways, around, in between that time frame. Um, I mean, and, um, Eric Garner. There are so many. Yeah, there there's too many Sandra examples. Bland. We could, we could do that all day, sadly. Yeah. But there was a girl that stood up and said she wanted to have a gun on campus because if she saw... By the way, the library's open 24-7. Right. Um... Also, you're in college. People wear whatever they want, including hoodies. Lots of hoodies. Because that's just something that when you're in your 20s, you wear. Or you wear more often in your 20s than any any other time. Right. Everyone probably has a hoodie. Everyone probably does. Whether you wear it or not. You've got it in your closet. (laughs) And this girl stood up and said, well, if I see someone wearing a hoodie in the dark and I'm on my way to the library, like, yeah, I'm going to shoot. And it was so mind-boggling, one, that she had the nerve to bring up the hoodie. Like, what? Like, I maybe she didn't mean anything by it, but I think that's weird to point out the hoodie. I think that's weird to point out the hoodie. Well, like, I, don't know, that- I don't know if it was post-Trayvon or not, but the hoodie actually kind of pre-game became a pretty large symbol of kind of just the, the very basic dehumanization that happens in the minds of racist people yeah. that somehow... This 13-year-old kid is a dangerous predator that needs to be drawn on. Right. 
Um, and because of his skin type, he's perceived to be more dangerous and stronger somehow than a normal 13-year-old boy. Right. Uh, and then the fact that he was wearing a hoodie meant that he was somehow up to no good or yeah. gang affiliated. okay, right, because that um, makes sense. Because, like, you just... I'm being uh, sarcastic. Uh, no, but, yeah, that, that, how you just explained, like, who doesn't own a hoodie? Yeah. But it, it did become a symbol, at least in the African-American community and in the advocacy community, a symbol of, like, let's not pretend um that this item of clothing didn't play a huge part in this young man's death yeah um and that's it's it's so unfortunate but i will tell you what when i'm running at night which i do often yeah i don't wear a hoodie that's crazy i don't cover my face i like to be as visible as possible um, and I talked, I was talking to my wife about this recently who gets terrified now when I run at night, which she really shouldn't have to, but she does. <laughs> um, because I don't want to be perceived as a troublemaker or yeah. in the wrong neighborhood or, you know, or scare some unassuming white person who may feel obliged yeah. to shoot or call the police or all of the different things that we see now with all this prominent racist activity happening. Um, that are possible. Not not like this isn't a stretch for me to make yeah, this no, up. No, like, not at all. We've all seen the news articles of yeah. the black lady getting the police called on her at the pool, or yeah, you know, for like, no, for I won't go into that. One. Yeah, but I mean, these are these are things yeah. that happen. So it, it's 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 this uncomfortable thing that you start to do where you adjust your behavior based on the fears of other people to not be implicated in any way unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. but I think it it speaks to a larger idea, and this is a little uncomfortable, but. The larger idea that, like, on the whole, maybe not here, maybe not for me, but black life is valued so much less. Yeah. That it can simply be taken away from you if someone feels that now is the time. Um, there is a very uncomfortable conversation that a lot of African-American parents have with their children. Yeah. Um, and it's a celebratory thing, but it's a really sad celebratory event. Um, it's usually um, a father talking to his son, but at the age of 25, uh-huh. you have graduated out of a lot of the danger classes for African-American men. Like oh. you are significantly less likely to be incarcerated or murdered um, after the age of 25. And this is a Those conversation that, options. That, that parents have with black kids. Like, yeah. I got a phone call from my dad, like, congratulations, son. Like, and wow. this is like a real talk yeah. that happened in my house. That's not too, too unfamiliar to a lot of black people and black families. But like, that's the reality of like the scope that you yeah. could just die yeah. today. No one, um, not no one. I never had to go through that. And I'm not the only person. And to think that that's a conversation or just a thought, like, good job. You made it another day alive simply because, like, the, just the fact that you have to have that conversation only because you're darker. Yeah, that's crazy. So do you plan on having that conversation with your future child? So, and, and I really want to talk about this because I think yeah. it's wildly important. So... I'm very active in the local um, local government um, 
as a, you know, a, a member of the African-American National Caucus, like I really try to to do my part for education and outreach um, and phone banking to really like try to help change these things at the grassroots level yeah. as far as like how community policing is done, how mm-hmm. legislation is written to really kind of protect those who don't necessarily have a voice. Yeah. Um, because as you know, the population density of African-American people is changing at an alarming rate in Austin. So as that people like to talk about the antidote of a hundred people move to Austin a day. Yeah. Um, what they don't talk about is the flip side of that coin is 20 or 30 people move out of Austin a day. And about 50% of those are people of color. Okay. Um, And so when I moved here 13 years ago, I think um, there was still a minority population of African-American people, but I want to say it was somewhere hovering around 17%. And that number has dwindled every year significantly to the point where there really aren't that many people to represent that group. And even if there were like, because of gentrification and how the city is growing further east and further south, mm-hmm. there are less um, areas where you would have like a local representative speaking directly to your causes. So yeah, uh, that's a long way around the cart to say, not only am I going to have that conversation, but I think it's imperative for people um, living in this community especially, but living in communities that may not have um, representation up and down the board to to, you know, to, to have those uncomfortable conversations, you know, to, to really bring them up. Uh, but my child will definitely have that talk if, if it's a boy uh, or a girl. But I mean, you know, uh, ultimately that I think those numbers speak directly to um, to the fate uh, of a lot of African-American men. Male, yeah. But I will. But my child will be mixed race. Um, and I think uh, you definitely had some questions surrounding this. But I think being an involved member of the African-American community and also falling in love with and being married to a white woman has like a completely different set of complications and and conversations surrounding it. So if you'd like to crack open that can of worms, let's do it. I do. (laughs) There's so much. I think um, I, at some point I'd like to get Angie over here and see what like the thing is, the things that she's gone through. Mm -hmm. She's, well, I'm just interpreting. Um, have y'all, do y'all get weird stares? Do people look at you differently? Um, so I will say uh, you kind of grow out of that phase in an interrelation, interracial relationship. You, you get you get snickers, you get stares, you get a lot of that weird stuff. I will say for the most part in Austin, people are pretty jovial and content with minding their own business. So as far as like our relationship and how it's perceived here, not a whole lot of that. I will say when we travel and we often do internationally and out of state. Yeah. There are areas of the country where it's not even anecdotal. It's simply dangerous. Um, oh. Driving from here to go visit my dad in North Carolina, you'll pass through parts of the Deep South. So there's parts of Mississippi that it's just pretty much understood you don't stop in certain towns and cities. Oh, wow. um, For good reason. Um, I mean, active members of the Klan. And this is before racists were emboldened as of you know this last couple of years but there are there are areas in the country and then heading west to go visit my aunts like there are large pockets uh active members of the clan in uh in parts of arizona that are pretty pretty vocal and boisterous about the fact that like this not only is this not welcome here but like you're in danger if you're here wow so yeah that that exists um there are a couple of different interracial um couples in my family um but my aunt and uncle 
seven seven foot six white guy and my mm-hmm. aunt's like five foot eight a black girl <laughs> two two I'm mixed race kiddos the, the height just it's it's <laughs> seeing seeing those two together was always pretty wow. interesting but i remember um like our family liked to do a lot of road trips when we were younger and i remember my uncle carrying a gun with him in the car and me being very confused by like why he would have a gun on a road trip. Yeah. Um, and then when I got old enough, I think I finally like got brave enough to ask him and he was like, yeah, there's certain certain parts of the country that we travel to where it's dangerous for us to be there. And so I always make sure that I have protection against the, wow. the things that could potentially come our way. And so I remember that. And again, kind of flipped like he's white, she was black, but still like very real and heartfelt like response from my uncle like yeah it's it's dangerous and like you need to be aware of that like when you're with us like some people don't like our family unit and how we're set up and so that's definitely something that again i kind of encountered as a a youth but um we we don't get stares a whole lot i think what we get now and this is so there's varying levels of racism just like there's varying levels of ignorance um and i think we get less of outright racism and more of ignorance in our circles yeah which i'm totally happy with because you can you can fix ignorance with education right Right. like like that's what we're doing right now um and so you can fix that so like i think one of the things that boils my blood and doesn't really bother my wife so much is like so we're having a child yeah and like the one thing that everyone wants to talk about is how cute a little mixed baby is going to be like it's not it's not mean in any way. Like, yeah. and, and I think most people that are saying it are saying it completely like with no thought. Like, it's just like, yeah. I am complimenting you. Uh, but it's like kind of back to that trait thing. It's like, it's just, it's going to be a child and it could just yeah. be a cute child. Like, they have the, and, it w- and it will be mixed. But if we're just saying facts out loud, like, what's the point? But that one really bothers me. And I'm not really sure why other than I feel like there's this elevated like, value put on like the cuteness of like mixed kids like we live in the age of the internet and like just so much emphasis placed on looks over traits like looks over quality characteristics like i i respond and i'm kind of an asshole and you know that but i'm like (laughs) i'm really just hoping for like smart healthy and happy like i could care less about how cute they are but i mean that's not even i wouldn't even put that in the same conversation but it's something that like i'm so you're way sensitive more aware of yeah. to because like I don't want that life for my kid to like have to worry about like people being hyper focused on how they look instead of who yeah. they are as a person. Interesting. Yeah. My cousin, um, my cousin is white and she married a half black, half white man and they had a baby and he was kind of upset that their their child their child has lighter skin color mm-hmm. he he doesn't look black he he he's not completely white he gets pretty he gets pretty darn tan. yeah yeah he gets he gets, he tan, gets tan like yeah and that's the thing about the the color of the the black rainbow like i am pretty dark uh my sister is probably a little darker than me but my younger sister is a couple shades darker than you, Maria. Like, wow, and yeah, it's like yeah. the varying degrees of like what black is could change. Yeah. But yeah, like it's crazy. He, uh, it seems like he was kind of upset that his son wasn't darker. Okay. Um, and I assume because it, he wants to represent, like, this is my son. Like, I want him, you know, want him to look like me. 
do you think it it probably sounds like not that you wouldn't care mm-hmm. but would you care if uh, so i don't care so i'll tell you a funny thing because racism isn't just it's not it's not always like cross race right like it's not always just like a black person to a white person or a white person to a black person like Uh it exists also within those communities yeah and one of the things that happens a lot of time in the african-american community um and it would be interesting to hear people's feedback on this is like there's varying degrees placed on the type of black person that you are perceived to be based on how dark or light you are and huh. this is like I've tried to explain this concept to non-black people before, and it's very difficult. But basically, <laughs> I can I can give you an example using a couple of famous people. Okay. Steph Curry, black guy, uh-huh. light blondish, orangish hair, yeah. light greenish, bluish eyes. Okay. LeBron James, yeah, six foot seven, dark hair, dark eyes, two hundred and sixty-seven pounds. Right. Based on their body type, you would assume one guy's tough and like one guy is weak or just yeah. like yeah. chill or that would whatever. Be my stereotype for sure. Stereotype for sure. But like that, those those two people are like personifications of like how people feel about light skinned black people, like soft, oh. weak, like like huh. not motivated, not woke, just like over there doing their thing. And then like on the other side of that, like strong powerful aggressive like in your face yeah the darker that you are and again no no scientific credence to any of this crap but that is out there that's a thing like in the african-american community that's real so maybe he was just responding to like oh i've got a light-skinned kid there's even a saying about it it's like oh god please don't let this kid act light-skinned and that basically means like like don't like weak like don't let this kid be like weak or soft or a wuss or whatever the case may be that is a thing so i know i and just told a, one i just told one of those secrets within, but in, within the african-american within the african-american community like that wow. wouldn't exist anywhere else but like that's that's one of ours i know i just told one of our secrets but that's <laughs> that's real like you go to a family secrets? reunion and you've got yeah like no uh, do i don't know, know if we, i don't know if we we've, sh- there's a couple of things there's a couple of things that just like happen and i think it, that has come as a way to kind of protect the culture that's been so striated and like okay. under attack over the course of some years. But there's a thing that my wife had to get ac- accustomed to over the course of just years of like not dating. So she's my wife. I don't think dated outside of her race too much at all. And then like mm-hmm. we dated and we've been together for like a yeah. decade yeah. and she'll see me do or say things that she's just like unaccustomed to just yeah. not sure what that is. But uh, uh, so I'll share another one and then I got to stop telling trade secrets <laughs> or I'm going to get in trouble. Um, there's a thing called the nod. Just like, oh. like it's just a mutual understanding between like two black dudes that might not have ever seen each I've other or seen talked you to do each other this before. before. And it's just like an understanding that like I got you and you got me. And if anything crazy pops off, like we're together on this. And it's a completely unspoken. And like you could be anywhere in the United States. And if like if a black dude nods at you, like nods his head up, like it's just a mutual understanding. You nod his head up. It's like we're together on this. I've seen it's, you do it's a this thing. before. And I. <laughs> I don't think I said anything to you because I didn't know how to ask in an appropriate way. Do you know that guy? I knew that you didn't know her. Yeah, the answer is almost always no. I knew that you didn't know her. We were at a restaurant. We were having lunch. And you nodded at, I think she she worked there. I think I assume that she was uh, a waitress over there. And uh, you nodded at her and I noticed, I I assumed because the both of you were black, because 
also you don't know this person so what else do you have in right. common with the person right but uh <laughs> oh that's so funny i just remember i'm glad you told me because i totally yeah about no it. there's like, a there's a happening? there's a couple of those things out there this but. is like the jeep thing only way better <laughs> yeah it is kind of like the jeep salute but yeah it is, it's pretty interesting but there are some of those things and i think that basically that comes back to like knitting back the fabric of a community like one like one positive interaction at a time that yeah um man i feel like we need to have another conversation because there's a lot more that i wanted to talk about interracial uh marriage and and having uh a child Mm -hmm. well so well one last question on that um you can make this a two-parter we can come back and do more i think maybe we should (laughs) because i feel like we barely scratched the surface and i feel like i'm too much in awe and i'm still processing the things that you've gone through that there's going to be more that comes up for me question wise so yeah so anyways i think i think maybe we, we will do that um let's ask a couple of ones that you got written down there so yeah <laughs> so what is your biggest fear for your child and i assume that you have one on a different level than anyone else would who isn't in a interracial marriage no so and and and, and thank you for for giving me that that level of like thought i don't think i'm that much more introspective than anyone else i think i have the same fears for my kids that that most people do and and ultimately i think that's great because that's kind of what binds us together like ultimately we're all people just trying to do the best by our families the best way we know how yeah but i will say there are some additional i think nuanced fears that i have um i my biggest fear is obviously that that you know my my child doesn't have a fair opportunity to be everything that they can ascend to yeah um i think that was a fear that my parents had for me and ultimately i think i've i've done a pretty good job of kind of getting to where i'd like to be at this stage in my life um with i don't want to say little friction but with with as little friction as could have been possible and i i just hope that my child who again who will be you know as much white as they are black that you know they're just given an opportunity to to be hopefully smart and energetic and 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 impactful in whatever way um are there fears of random acts of violence um of course um are there fears of you know inequality seeping into their personal and professional lives absolutely um and those are things that i think we are going to be well equipped to 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 talk about but it still breaks your heart to know that those are things that you're going to have to deal with right those are things that you have to go through that i won't have to go through if i don't marry someone who isn't the same color as me so on that level that's pretty shitty i mean it is and it isn't right so like and 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 maybe this is just in the soul of of me or ingrained in me because of my parents but i i honestly believe that it can be just as much a strength as it is a weakness because it really is probably an old school bootstraps mentality that anything doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. And in this life, we're all going to face significant challenges, right? So like mm-hmm. minor racial and yours likely have to do with the fact that you've had to overcome some things in the construction world as a female. Right. Like we all have our sets of challenges, but if those things don't beat you and if you beat them, like you are so much better because of it. Right. And so it presents all sorts of unique challenges mm-hmm. that you can do things that you otherwise wouldn't have known you could have done. Yeah. Right? Like 
I lived in the racist South in the heart of heartlands in South Carolina and was confronted with things that we won't address on this podcast, but can get to on another day, which was terrible at the time. And then when I went to join the United States Marine Corps and serve this country, ultimately, a lot of what I experienced there was less impactful than what I had already experienced and therefore made me a better Marine, a better leader of people, a more well-rounded individual and more tolerant when I was placed in situations where I was in the position of power. I treated people better because of things that I experienced. And I don't know that I would have been that same level of vigilant or as level-headed or as willing to to be patient had I not experienced those things that really got me to be um, just more um, in the moment, like more aware of my surroundings and the people that I was dealing with. So it yes, it sucks, right? Yeah. But then you have two choices. Like I'm yeah. not going to stop being black anytime soon. <laughs> so yeah. you can learn kind of what your challenges are and learn how to circumnavigate that and learn how to work with the grain and not against it and learn where to take your shots and your opportunities and where to correct people and where not to and who's safe to be around and who's not. And ultimately that learning, while it's a lot extra, mm-hmm. can be beneficial. Right. That, well, you, I mean, like you said, you kind of have to have that mindset. And I'm glad that you do because I would, I'm just, I would be cynical. I would just be, I wouldn't, I would be negative. I mean, it's really hard not to be. I, I sit here before you as a 35 year old man who's been dealing with this now for what, the better part of almost three decades. Yeah. And to, to, to say that I would have been, so eloquent about it and that this thought process would have just come to me when I was 18 or 25, yeah. I'd be lying. Like yeah. I was, I went through all the phases. I was angry about it. I was cut off. Like I was, you know, I was, I was really uh, less, more, 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 more apt to throw a fist than to have a conversation with people about those things that I thought were unfair. And it took a certain level of growth to get here. So, I mean, I can speak to you clearly about it now, but it's taken time to get here, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, I'm fortunate. I'm on the, I'm on the positive end of this thing, right? Yeah. Like I am on the, I have all the financial utility I could possibly expect to have at this stage in my life. I've got educational opportunities. I've got, you know, gainful employment. I've got a supportive staff. I live in a a pretty tolerant city. Mm. I don't live on the south side of Chicago with, you know, two parents or a parent struggling to live where my choices are are gang violence or police violence. Like I'm I'm very fortunate. So I don't want this to come off as like a pity party. I'm going to do okay, But there are people in worse situations than mine. So if you take something away from my stories, just understand that there are people out there dealing with much, much worse. Right. One last question. Okay. And maybe, uh, no, you probably did. Um, do you remember how you felt at, in general, vaguely, as a black person under the Obama administration versus now? Yeah. Um, so that was a really proud moment um, for, for me because it, it solidified the things that my parents had been telling me my entire life. Like work harder. Actually, my mom had a saying. We don't 
my mom and I don't get along very well right now, but my mom had a saying that stuck with me throughout my entire youth and I carry it with me today. She was like, you're a young black man. You're going to have to run, run farther, work harder, jump higher, be faster than everyone that you encounter to get to the exact same place. Yeah. So you know that now mm-hmm. you have two choices. You can do it or you can fall by the wayside. Yeah. And I remember that and I tried to bring every bit of activity that I have in my body to everything that I do because of that. And with that said, like seeing a black man ascend to the presidency of the United States kind of validated that level of work. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen to me, but it happened to the community. And there yeah. was somebody out there that worked as hard or harder, yeah. was as strong or stronger, dealt with more than anybody had possibly done to that point and ascended to this position that was otherwise we were told we could ascend to, but no one had ever done it. And then to watch someone as eloquent and smart crash through that ceiling, even with all the negativity surrounding it, you see, from this country and all the racial things that people allowed themselves to say, like it was such a proud moment that it did. It got a little bit easier to be black in the United States because it was like, yeah, like we're not relegated to like this, the idea of being second class, like we can do anything that white people can do in this country yeah. see like this man's the president and then not only this man's the president but did a, quite a fine job i might say so myself at being yeah. a president a two-term president mm-hmm. um and it was it was it was a really it was a really great time now just like everything ebbs and flows in the history of this country yeah. a fairly young country i think we're right now we're dealing with the uh the blowback and the brushback from from a people who feel that things have now been taken from them because of yeah. another group's prosperity. And that the is actually in that is mine. Is, wow. Yeah. Well, and that's actually in the history of humanity, that's actually something that we should have come to expect, right? Like yeah. again, we were talking about class at the very beginning of this. The only reason classism and racism exists is to kind of keep people in a certain yeah. place. Right. If that person ascends to be on that place, perceived or real. There's some give and take that has to happen. And so if if black people are ascending to the presidency and like becoming major political players and shifting the landscape of money and power, I mean, somebody that was in that class is now not in that class or dealing with having to share that. I don't know about you, but as a person who's had things before, having those things real, real or perceived taken from you is not a good feeling. And so I think what we're dealing with is Closeted racists now feel more empowered to say the things that otherwise would have gotten them in trouble because there's an entire envoy of people echoing that message. And it's mm. it's much more OK to verbalize those very dangerous, but but in their minds, real thoughts about power, race. And so it always kind of comes back to the same stuff. Oh, they're taking our jobs like. Right. You know, expanding into these areas and sectors like we don't necessarily want them there. And it really kind of comes back to like the basic socioeconomic status of like where people are supposed to be and where they are. And so I think we can, as good people, combat against that just by being open enough to have the conversation and calling it out when we see it, because it's a lot harder to get away with like that. I think you explain it so perfectly. I never really understood it. And I don't think a lot of people do understand it. They just say it's racism and it is racism, but you make me understand why they feel the way they feel and i still really just don't give a fuck yeah no i'm and i'm not apologizing for it clearly we all want it to stop yeah but i mean that 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 
ideology, I think, is in all of us as people, right? If we weren't talking yeah. about race and we were talking about just about anything else, like if you were sitting at the popular kids table in high school and then some other person that slightly resembled you and was yeah. as cool as you started taking your seat and now you're not at the popular kids table anymore, but you're at the step down table, you're not going to like that. And you might have some yeah. negative stuff to say about that person. Right. And you might go to other people that are also in your class and start saying some negative stuff about them, too. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it, yeah. That, that, that's a human thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the humane thing to do with that human thing is to recognize it when it becomes dangerous, like racism often can, and then do everything that There's we can yeah. to stop that. Right. I think that is the perfect spot to close out so thank you so much i think we definitely need we're gonna do another one absolutely we're gonna do a lot because the military (laughs) the marine the interracial marriage all of it your listeners are gonna get so sick and tired of my voice (laughs) (laughs) who's this to wait is it dimitri's podcast i'm confused no it'll be good well thank you for having me on i gotta say um working with you here today has been fantastic you're the motivation for me to get my podcast off the ground um our boy phil the fixer check out his podcast yeah was the person who got me thinking that i could have enough confidence to do this but Same. he he was yeah. a little intimidating because kind of had a background and knew what he was doing yeah and then you said you were gonna do it and then you did it and yeah. now i'm on your show instead of being on mine is like the motivation <laughs> to get off my ass so thank you so much for that but yeah. you put on a fantastic podcast and i really appreciate being a part of it Thanks so much. Um, definitely good shout out to Phil the Fixer. We'll have him on too later on. Um, that's it. We'll awesome. see you all soon. Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon.